Not that long ago. In a galaxy. Just off the A12. Films I Love Most Podcast. Episode 16. It's Christmas 2019. And could be more popular host of the Films I Love Most Podcast, Keith Dogwalker, is in crisis. He hasn't brought a single Christmas present and there are only three days remaining. He makes the logical choice to message all his friends and family, even the ones on Naboo, to inform them that he now belongs to a non-circular religion that doesn't celebrate Christmas. But, if possible, could he please still have a turkey roast with all the trimmings and presents addressed to him? Why is he so behind on the presents? Well... A small indie film called Star Wars has been released, completely under the radar, a movie Keith has wanted to see since 1977, even though he was barely one with the force back then. So he decides to deliver a gift to everyone, a present more sought after than a life-size speaking Jar Jar Binks, a gift to the universe. It's the Films I Love Most podcast Christmas special. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Christmas to you all. Welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast Christmas special. Glad tidings to you all. You are all very, very welcome. 
Thank you so much to Harry McShane for that lovely opening and that beautiful piece of music. Much appreciated. Yes, I can't believe it's the Christmas special already. This year is going so quick, but here we are. So we have so much in today's episode. It's jam-packed full of Christmas treats, little presents for you to unwrap. I am sitting here with a mince pie and a cup of tea, as usual, ready to go. Star Wars is obviously going to be a big theme of this episode as Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker has just been released literally this week. So I have my full review. I have seen it this morning. Got up very, very early to watch it just for you guys. And I will be giving my full review later on in the podcast. I will also be reviewing Little Women, which has just been released also this week, which is a fantastic adaption from the director of Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig. So if you are a fan of Lady Bird, then you're going to absolutely love my review of Little Women. And if you love Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, Emma Watson and Saoirse Ronan, then you are going to absolutely love Little Women. And then I'm going to be reviewing Cats. Yeah, I think the less said about that right now, the better. So that is all that we've got coming up on this Christmas special for the Films I Love Most podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. You are very welcome. Pull up a pew, sit by the fire, have a mince pie and enjoy. So I have to say that I'm a little bit of a novice when it comes to the story of Little Women because I've never read the book and I've never seen any of the movie adaptions. So this was really my first experience being introduced to the family and the girls and I found it utterly, utterly charming. Greta Gerwig has written and directed this movie, obviously from her own vision of the book and... I would say that it's probably as near perfect to a period movie that you can get. So it's about four sisters who come of age in America in the aftermath of the Civil War. It stars Laura Dern as their mother, Florence Pugh as Amy, Timothy Chalamet as Laurie, um, Emma Watson is Meg, Saoirse Ronan is Joe, and Eliza Scanlon is Beth and... They are such a tight-knit group of characters. You can just tell that they are loving every minute of being in this film and creating this world and this story. It's utter joy to watch. The interaction between them is amazing. I could sit and watch it all day. I must admit, I have to say that I think Florence Pugh stood out for me in this film. I thought she was incredible. She was a bit of the spoiled brat middle child I know how that feels and I just love her voice she's got such a deep sort of husky voice that but every time she came on screen it was just absolutely glorious for the eyes and the ears she was amazing and of course Saoirse Ronan as Joe. I mean you couldn't cast that part any better she's incredible the story was gripping beautiful, heartbreaking, immersive, 
And I just loved the way that they jumped between the two different time zones. So you've got sort of the younger years of the girls in their sort of immaturity and before they all get married and fall in love. And then you've got sort of the aftermath of later on in life and how they've grown and sort of the pressures on them. And I love the way that it was done in the movie because it was done all with lighting and production. So the scenes when they were younger and more innocent, it was more bright. The sun was shining through the windows. Uh, the house was more decorated. And in the later years, when things sort of go downhill a little bit, it's very dark. It's winter. Um, it's the colour palette completely changes. And I loved that. It was such a good idea to do it that way. And there were moments in it that I genuinely cried in the I, I very rarely cry in the cinema I find it very difficult I can't get past a certain emotion to make tears come from my eyes but this honestly did and it's such an accomplished adaptation that I think it will go down as one of the best and it deserves to I loved Ladybird when it came out I think Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan have a really good working relationship I hope they do more projects together in the future but I think what's been created here is one of those Christmas movies that you will always go back to. So a bit like Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. Little Women, for me, encompasses Christmas because it's all about family and love and dedication. And I think that this film will honestly do very well at the box office. And I hope that it will do well in the Oscars as well. Fingers crossed. I give Little Women 9 out of 10. What a gem. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have Teddy. loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we It wouldn't be a disaster. Okay? We'd be miserable. Joe. We'd be a perfect I saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe Marsh. <laughs> Women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. 
Who does she marry? So I always try and be objective when it comes to re- reviewing a film. And I don't really read or listen to a lot of other people's opinions on the film until I've seen it. But it's been very difficult to get away from the negative criticism about Cats, the next film I will be reviewing. And a few friends have told me some terrible, terrible stories that have been printed in the newspaper about this film. And I went into it with a very open mind and I didn't want to judge it before I'd seen it because it's a very, you know, huge undertaking, this film, and very complicated and technically complicated. And I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, just give it the benefit of the doubt. And with a cast of people like Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, James Corden, Ray Winston, Jennifer Hudson, and Idris Elba, amongst many, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? So, here is my review of Cats. If I was to sum it up in one word, I would say deplorable. It is possibly the worst thing I have seen at the cinema in a very, very long time. Probably since The Dead Don't Die, which was just hideous. But this just does not work on any level whatsoever. The special effects are nauseating. Within the first five minutes, I felt sick in the stomach because the camera just moves around so much. The first time I saw a cat appear, I thought, what is that? Surely this is a horror movie. That's an alien and someone should come in and kill it. It was horrific. And then they started singing. And I thought to myself, what is going on? I remember the soundtrack to Cats very well. I've seen the show twice. I used to have the video version, the VHS of um, the 1998 sort of filmed on stage version of Cats, which I loved and the music was great. But they've just remixed the soundtrack to the film and it sounds horrible. It sounds like a GCSE year 10 class has got their hands on cats and tried to modernise it, but it has gone hideously wrong. Now, that just sounds awful, right? Why would you want to watch it? But there is a few good points. Oh my goodness. Yep. The Lady Abelique poster has fallen off the wall in such disgust of this movie. See, this is the clue. As soon as the Lady Abelique poster falls off the wall, we know we're in for a loser of a film. But I would say Taylor Swift really sort of was the best thing in the movie. I really enjoyed her performance. And also Ian McKellen as Gus the Theatre Cat was quite endearing. And, you know, if there was ever a time to shed a tear in the movie, it was with his character. But apart from that, it was horrible. I'm not even kidding. Um, Jason DeLuro as Rum Tum Tugger. It should be made illegal. I mean, I don't understand. That is a form of torture. Just absolutely shockingly bad. And it's going to lose a lot of money. And so it should. Because the filmmakers should have known better than to try this. The effects are not good enough for this kind of project yet. When George Lucas... We're going back to Star Wars, guys. Sorry. When George Lucas made episode four of Star Wars, the very first Star Wars film, 
A lot of people were confused. Why didn't he make episode one? Because he didn't have the technology to make it at the time the way he wanted. So he waited and made episode four and then went back to episode one and made The Phantom Menace, which a lot of people think was also a huge mistake. Me me among them. (laughs) But Cats is absolutely awful because of the effects they don't work they needed to wait maybe five ten years until the effects were there to be able to do it cats with human faces i'm not even kidding i thought i was watching an episode of doctor who i expected the tardis to arrive any moment and like get rid of them save the earth from these hideous abominations but that didn't happen they just kept on singing and at the end in the in the the rolling credits, I could just see every single audience member walked out of the cinema thinking, well, that was an hour and a half I'd never get back. And it's true, you won't. So if there's anything I can do for you over the Christmas period, it's say, don't go and see Cats. Wait until it's available on some streaming service and watch the first 10 minutes, feel a bit nauseous, vomit, and then think, actually, I'm very glad that I didn't see that at the cinema because that is definitely the reaction you will have. I'm giving Cats... Well, do you know what? Jennifer... I mean, Jennifer Hudson's performance of Memory was quite impressive and Taylor Swift was really good and... Although the rest of it was absolute dog poo, ironic, um, I think that the thought behind it was, you know, there was good thinking and heart behind it, but it just does not work. So I'm giving it one out of ten. And it's the worst film I've seen this month. So, yeah, that's Cats. Tonight is a magical night. Where I choose the cat that deserves a new life. Going to the ball could get dangerous. (laughs) Come on! Let's dance! I judge a cat by its soul. I've got plenty of soul. Spotlight! And a drum roll, please. Milk! It's party time. The most deserving cat will be reborn into another life. So they can be who they've always dreamed of being. What's your name? Cat got your tongue. Here we go! Don't mess with the crazy cat lady. Now it is time to make the choice. Right, well, that's not going to work, is it? <laughs> that's what I say to you. <laughs> Cross pause. Come, we're about to begin. I love it. So here we go. It's the big one. It's Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this review spoiler free. And then 
after Christmas, I'm going to release a spoiler field review so that you guys can have a chance to watch the film and then come over and listen to what I think about all the spoilers and, and you know, tidbits that are in there for the fans. We're going to talk about that a little bit now. So there's been a bit of a backlash when it comes to this movie with fan service. How much is too much fan service? Now, for me, being a fan, obviously, I like to see all of that. I like to see the cameos. I like to see the the nods to the past. But some people might be new to the Star Wars universe, as in only have come to it from Force Awakens. So a lot of the stuff might be lost on them. But I don't see a problem with it. I mean, it caters to a different audience. I, for one really really enjoyed that and I don't think that you can alienate one group just to please another so I think the more fan service there is in these kind of franchise movies the better because it's just really nice to give a nod to what's come before so yeah I'm just saying in my opinion there's nothing wrong with it and I think that's what a lot of negativity about the the rise of Skywalker has come about because there is a lot of fan service in this movie but I'm not going to give any of that away because this is not the spoiler-filled review. It's a spoiler-free. So, um, I'm going to start with a spoiler. But it's not really because it's been released online ages ago and it's in the trailer. So, Emperor Palpatine is back in this Star Wars film. And it's an integral part of the story, his return. It's interesting to see how they've handled the emperor's return because it is handled in such a way that it's like the story wouldn't exist without that revelation but it sort of doesn't connect at all to the past two movies so i was a little bit lost at the beginning about where this sort of left field twist had come from i think with the rise of skywalker I'm I'm going to be negative about it first, but I just want you to know that I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed every second of it. It played to my love for the franchise. So anything bad I say, it's just me being nitpicky. But I think that the issue with The Rise of Skywalker is that coming straight after The Last Jedi, which was so different and so, you know, beyond what Star Wars had been before... Coming back to a more traditional story and a more traditional concept was a little bit like, oh, okay, so everything that I took from The Last Jedi with the whole sort of, you know, not quite knowing where the story was going, I'm pretty sure that I know where this is going to end up. I found that a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, comforting in the fact that I knew that what I was watching and where this was going and it was almost like comfort food and I did really really enjoy it it was really nice to see some familiar faces I'm not going to mention who because this is not the spoiler field review and the plot itself is a little bit all over the place I mean the first sort of 45 minutes we are on a mad dash journey around the universe I found it quite difficult to keep up with the plot during those sort of scenes. When we're arriving on a lot of different planets and there's fights and battles and things going on, I was a bit like, hang on a minute, I need to centre myself 
in the plot. Otherwise, I'm really going to get lost. And I think that actually that lends itself to repeat viewing because the plot is sort of gets lost in the mix sometimes. And I think that happens with quite a few sort of adventure films, especially with Star Wars, that there's so much going on. Sometimes you sort of don't focus on what the what the heroes are actually trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. And motivation is everything in any film. I always look for motivation in character. Why are they doing that? I mean, I'm looking very deep into the Star Wars franchise, but because it's a franchise that I love, I like to make sense of it. There is a lot of sense in the plot. There's a lot of nonsense in the plot. But I think I can forgive the nonsense because of the setup and the action sequences are so fantastic to watch and exciting and engaging that I can, you know, they take liberties a little bit, but I can forgive them for that. The story of Ray really comes to a head in this story and we really find out her origins, which is great. There's some interesting stuff going on with um, Kylo Ren. Adam Driver is fantastic in the film, although he does get his helmet back. So for a large chunk of the movie, I was guessing whether it was actually Adam Driver in the helmet or not. I really hope it was, but maybe he had some filming commitments on uh, Marriage Story. So maybe he popped out and just went, can we just do this scene with the helmet so I can go and film my other film? Um, I hope not, though. I'd like to think that that uh, he was inside that helmet because, you know, he's a gorgeous man. There's a lot of um, nods to the past, a lot of fan service, as we've mentioned. I think that one of the most poignant moments of the film is with Princess Leia, because obviously Carrie Fisher has died a couple of years ago now, so therefore they had to find a way to include her in the film. They used stock footage from The Force Awakens to create some really nice moments in this movie. And I think that it is a a dedication to her. It is an absolute, you know, sort of remembrance film for Carrie Fisher. And I think that she would be very proud of it. And I think that her time in the Star Wars franchise will be very fondly remembered and she is very fondly missed. There, I'm, I'm, You might think I'm sort of going all over the place, but that's pretty much what this film does. And I'm trying to think of things that I can tell you without spoiling anything. It's very difficult. I'm trying to keep away from certain plot points. The effects, obviously, we don't even need to mention the effects are incredible. The fight sequences, whether it be with lightsabers or in space, are very well choreographed. Um, they work well with every character. You can see the dedication of the main characters to their craft. The performances are better in this film than I think of the other two sequels. I think that they found their characters now and I think they found their relationship. Now the characters have all come together. One thing that really shocked me and I was re-watching The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi the other day and it wasn't until the end of The Last Jedi that Poe and Rey meet for the first time. So it had been two whole movies before these characters have met. 
and they've really you can tell that they've really bonded in the time between the last jedi and the rise of skywalker and that's nice you know that's really nice to have that strong band of characters together it just reminds me of the original films with leia and luke and han solo and chewbacca and it's just a really strong unit and that really works really really well my final thoughts on the film after i left the cinema was yeah that was satisfying i liked it it was star wars how i remember it as a kid but as an adult obviously i'm a little bit more picky a little bit more sort of grounded so therefore i take everything a bit too seriously if i don't take this film seriously and i just think of it and try and see it through an eight-year-old Keith's eyes. This film is the best thing ever. Ten out of ten. But, you know, seeing I've lost a little bit of that child in me, I'm going to give The Rise of Skywalker eight out of ten because it is a really solid, great piece of work. But as the closing film for the franchise of Star Wars, I would say I just wanted a little bit more. Just, you know, there was something missing... But overall, a great end to a franchise that has spanned my lifetime and is probably one of the most treasured franchises in in my life. And um, yeah, I'm getting a bit emotional because Star Wars has been with me since birth. I've got an older brother who used to watch the Star Wars films all the time. So Star Wars is literally in my DNA. And um, I'm so glad that it came to an end with a very prominent film like The Rise of Skywalker. So, like I said, it's an 8 out of 10. May the Force be with you. Always. It's an instinct. together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny.
Shall we talk about what's going to be happening on the small screen over the Christmas period? Yes, this episode of small screen is going to be a preview of things that I'm looking forward to on TV over Christmas. Now, of course, everyone's excited for the return of Gavin and Stacey. It's been almost six years, I think, since the last episode aired on British TV and Gavin and Stacey are back along with Smithy and Ness and the baby. Yeah, I'm sure I can't do accents. That was not Welsh. I do apologise. But yeah, really looking forward to this. I think that with Gavin and Stacey, it has such an affectionate place in people's hearts. So when it was announced that it was coming back with James Corden writing again, I think everyone got really excited and nostalgic about it. And I can see why. And I've seen the trailer and it looks great and they all look the same. Uncle Bryn, you know, still as neurotic as usual. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of omelettes in it. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute jewel in the crown for the BBC this year, the Gavin and Stacey special. So I'll be gathered around on Christmas Eve night with my family, really, really looking forward to it. And well, I'll let you know what I think in the next week's podcast. What else have we got? Yes, uh, The Christmas Carol. So this is a new adaption. I mean, how many adaptions of this story can they do? But they've done another one, and it's from the makers of Peaky Blinders. So... That's going to be interesting. I mean, I can't imagine that it's going to be as um, violent and the use of bagged language is probably going to be kept to a minimum. But it is a production that has been commissioned by the BBC. I'm sure the BBC just go around and commission this story once every couple of years. Well, it's a safe bet, isn't it? Everybody loves a bit of Dickens. And if there's anything that the BBC does really well, and that's a costume drama. So, like I said, Peaky Blinders creator Nick Murphy is involved. And it's going to be starring Stephen Graham, who's just been in The Irishman, which is really interesting. He's going to be playing Jacob Marley. Guy Pearce is Scrooge. There's, I mean, the cast is endless. There's so many. Delroy Atkinson. They've got some, obviously, younger people um, taking part, some young actors. This might be their first job. Uh, Jason Fleming is involved, one of my faves. Johnny Harris is playing Franklin Scrooge. And, yeah, I mean, the cast list is endless, so... Fingers crossed that this adaption is going to be... Oh, Andy Serkis. How can I forget Andy Serkis? He's playing the ghost of Christmas past. So, yeah, tune in to A Christmas Carol. If you're in the UK, you can watch it on the BBC. And if you're in the USA, you can watch it on FX, which just shows you what kind of dark and atmospheric drama this is going to be. So, and of course, the thing I'm most looking forward to over Christmas, which isn't actually out until New Year's Eve, is the new series of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. I do love Jodie Whittaker. I think the writing on the last series was weak. I think it let her down. I'm hoping that Chris Chibnall and the rest of the creative team have learnt from their mistakes and that this series is going to be an absolute success. I really hope it is because it needs to have that sort of, you know, energy and good writing back to make it 
the Doctor Who that we all know and love. So that is coming out on New Year's Day. So that's my pick for over Christmas. There is also a Mark Gatiss drama. I'm not quite sure in the schedule where it's coming. It's a ghost story for Christmas written by Mark Gatiss and I believe it's starring Peter Capaldi this year. So that's going to be amazing. I do love a good ghost story at Christmas. (laughs) Yes, so I hope you enjoy the Christmas telly. Sit down with a big box of quality street, drink all the leftover alcohol, and I have no doubts all of you will be asleep by the six o'clock news. But hopefully not, because there are a lot of Christmas gems on this year. So yeah, that is the Christmas edition of The Small Screen. The name's Doctor. The Doctor. The security of this entire planet is at stake. Can we rely upon you? I'm not where I wanted to be, but I can work with this. What? I don't suppose you've seen anything weird around here. You believe this is a human? What's the plan? You trust me, don't you? Ah! Have I got to answer that? Where are we? Paris, 1943? Oh, no. Something's coming for me. I can feel it. Let it come. Because we're your mates. Family. Get away from them! You know things will get into the TARDIS. You'll never die. What have you brought here, Doctor? I don't know. So, don't forget that on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter we are running our Christmas charity this year, Film and Friendship Forever. All we're asking you to do is call up your mate and invite them to a movie or invite them round your house or someone you haven't spoken to for a long time or someone who lives down the street that you know and think, you know what, I'm going to take them to see the new Star Wars movie or take them to see Little Women or something that they'll really enjoy because it's Christmas and no one likes to be lonely at Christmas. So please, please, please join in with the film and friendship forever here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Just, you know, do your bit to end loneliness this Christmas. Also, If you go onto Facebook and go onto the Films I Love Most podcast page, you can see that there is a chance for you to donate some pennies to our chosen charity for this year, Shelter, which is a charity that helps homeless people and people that are just finding it difficult to find accommodation. And it's really important that people have a roof over their heads at Christmas. So please, even if you can just spare a pound, just get on the Facebook page, Films I Love Most podcasts and donate because a lot of us are very lucky that we have, you know, roofs over our heads, but some people don't and we need to help those people. So thank you very much and Merry Christmas. It's the Christmas special, so of course... We're going to have a lovely young lady from Scotland, sorry about the accent there, to 
come on and tell us her favourite Christmas movies. And this week we have Julie. Thank you so much for taking part, Julie. Now, if you wouldn't mind, would you please tell me what your favourite Christmas movies are? My favourite Christmas movie is a harder one to choose because I literally live for Christmas and watching Christmas movies. Um, so I probably have two favourites. My favourite for me is Love Actually because it's not Christmas until you've watched Love Actually. It's just a feel-good movie and I love everything about it. Um, most especially the dancing scene. Um, I love that. And my other favourite, because of having two children, I absolutely love Polar Express. That movie just is Christmas and in our house it's not Christmas until we've curled up on the sofa with some popcorn and hot chocolate and watched Polar Express. That's Christmas. Thank you so much, Julie, for that. She's got such a beautiful accent, hasn't she? I could listen to her all day. I'd like to, to read me some audiobooks. Um, yes, so A Love Actually obviously is a classic. It has always been a mainstay in our house for the film you have to watch to feel Christmassy. But also it's a really interesting film. I mean, there's multiple strands, multiple characters. Uh, the narratives all come together at the end. It's heartbreaking. It's funny. It's iconic. I mean, that scene with um, the placards at the end where he's going through and showing all the boards saying, you know, like, shh, tell them it's carol singers, which has been parodied so much more recently by... Um, yeah, by him. But uh, <laughs> um, it's an absolute iconic film. It's got some amazing performances, especially from Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Hugh Grant, of course, Martin McCutcheon. And it has the best Christmas song um, interpretation at the end at the Christmas concert with All I Want for Christmas Is You. I love that. I used to listen to the soundtrack of this film a lot when it first came out because I think it's beautiful. Eva Cassidy's um, track on in that film is stunning so yeah of course love actually has become synonymous with Christmas and so it should because it's heartwarming it's beautiful and as the opening speech says I mean this film only came out remember a few years after 9-11 so the opening speech is about family and about how um, during 9-11 the phone calls made for the planes were not um you know, messages of hate, they were messages of love. And I think that's very important. I think that's something we need to remember for today because, yeah, it's an important message. So, of course, love actually, we love it here. It's a 10 out of 10. It's a film that holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. And it's all about love, 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 which we really need right now. Drumroll, please. It's time for our competition results. Yes. So just to let you know, the competition is now over. If you try to enter, you will not be able to because I will not be taking any more emails about this competition because we have a winner. Yes. So what I asked you to do was go back through past episodes of the Films I Love Most podcast. And in those episodes, there were one word clues to my favourite Christmas movie. So the answer is, of course, A Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Yep, if you spotted that, well done. But we do have a winner. And drum roll, please. Cheap drum roll, can't afford the effects. Maria Carvel from Newport in Wales. Well done, Maria. Thank you so much for entering. You have won this year's Christmas competition. All you need to do now is send me your address at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com and I will send you your stocking full of film Christmas goodies. Well done, Maria. Thank you so much for everyone who entered. We had over 40 entries. That's 40, four zero. So thank you so much. That was really, really incredible. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening over this Christmas period. And I hope, Maria, you enjoy your stocking full of goodies. Mwah. Now, did you hear in the film I Love Most that Julie also mentioned Polar Express? Now, I cannot tell you how fortunate this is that she did because the, the Polar Express is our film found for a pound this week. So I went shopping for some Christmas films, couldn't find any, could not find any. Love Actually, of course, I have that already. Um, Miracle on 34th Street, I've got that. It's a Wonderful Life. Yep, that's on the shelf. Could not find the one Christmas film I was after, which was Polar Express. But somebody else did and they found it for a pound, which is amazing. Now, Polar Express is an animated film starring Tom Hanks. He plays multiple roles within the movie. I think that it is probably the best children's Christmas movie of the last sort of 20 years. It's stunning. It's beautiful to look at. It has a strong message. It's exciting. The effects and the animation are incredible. And it has a really strong central message about Christmas and about what Christmas means to a child. And I think that's really important. As we grow up, Christmas becomes more stressful and it's more of a chore rather than a sort of, you know, something to enjoy. And I think that Polar Express really drags people back to their childhood and just shows them what Christmas truly means to the young at heart. And I am very young at heart and I enjoy Christmas and I love it. But when I watch Polar Express, it really sort of reassures me that the Christmas period is for family and love and excitement. And, it's you know, if you have a child in your house, obviously Christmas is more exciting and more you know, of an event. But even if you don't, even if it, if everyone's grown up and you're all sitting around and it's just a little bit different, remember, it's all about family and it's about the magic of Christmas. And that's what the Polar Express really, really reminds me of. And I love Tom Hanks in it. He's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I used to watch when I growing up, for me, it was the snowman, which was the epitome of Christmas. I wouldn't be able to go a year without watching that and for kids now growing up it's the Polar Express and I'm really glad about that and I'm so glad that it's become this sort of iconic film because it deserves it so much. 10 out of 10 from me. Well 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 hear those sleigh bells ring. This 
is the end of the Films I Love Most podcast. Very first Christmas special. Thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to me. And I cannot tell you how much I wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. And, well, I'm not going to say that because we will be back for our New Year special next week. Can you believe it? I mean, you know, one week after Christmas and we'll be back. Now, it's going to be a very different, like, layout to the normal podcast. We're going to be reviewing the top 10 films of the year and the top 10 worst films of the year, which I'm actually looking forward to more than the best. It's going to be so interesting. I think some of you can probably guess what my worst films are, seeing the rants that I've given over, you know, during the reviews for some of the releases. But, you know, I might shock you. Who knows? There might be some twists and turns when it comes to the top tens this year. So thank you very much for joining me. Please join us for the New Year's special. It's going to be a rip-roaring ride. And I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And thank you so much. This podcast is nothing without you. Please get in contact on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Bye, everybody. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. I just want to say one thing quickly. Star Wars was the reason that I got into film in the first place. It holds a very, very treasured place in my heart. And I'm so glad that it ended on such a high note. So I doff my hat to George Lucas and everybody who's ever been involved in Star Wars and say thank you so much and may the force be with you.